Happy Saturday! We are continuing our conversation about what love is. What is love? We are also answering by uh, looking at our love styles. And so there are five love styles. I promised you that today we will be discussing each of the five love styles. And they are the avoider, the pleaser, the vacillator, the controller, the victim. And I mentioned uh, this love styles in a podcast called Tell Me How You Really Feel for the first time. So today let's talk about what is a love style and let's discuss each of the five love styles and also I will reveal to you where this information comes from. Coming up. You are listening to the Anna Zabo Show, a podcast for Christian women where we have conversations about God, gospel, and the matters of life. If you enjoy this episode, please write and post your podcast review today. And remember to share it on social media. Oh, by the way, the calm music I add to the end of each episode is for your thinking pleasure. Now, enjoy the show. This topic is so exciting to me. I actually got a book called How We Love as a gift from my former mentor from Bucket Church. And when he gave me the gift of this book, uh, written by Milan and Kay Yerkovich, it said on the cover, discover your love style, enhance your marriage. Now, I was not married at the time. I was single. But <clears throat> he gave it to me to learn how basically I found myself where I am in life and what determines my love style and what determines other people's love styles. And of course, as you can guess, what determines our love style is our childhood and life experiences. So How We Love book became my favorite book of all times. And you can go to howwelove.com website and you're going to find out everything I will be referring today there on howwelove.com. The book is not just a book to read. There is a book workbook included. And so I did every single exercise in that workbook. I took all the quizzes. I answered all the questions. And I cannot tell you how much I learned about myself. And then <laughs> I decided to lead a book club. So I invited other women um, some of them were from my church, some were my friends and neighbors. And so every week I hosted a book club in my home where I lived at Flats at Perimeter Place in Dunwoody here in Atlanta. And we would get together at the pool or on the rooftop. We had a beautiful view to the King and Queen buildings. And we would study this book and share a meal and talk about the things we were learning. This book is uh, Bible-based. It's a Christian book, and it contributed to my faith and to my understanding of myself and to my understanding of my story, my life story, like what happened to me and why am I the way I am, my self-compassion and acceptance of who I am and how I am. So if you are on a journey growing spiritually, growing as a person, 
wanting to figure out who you are, how you are, why you are the way you are, this book is essential. And of course, if you're a married person or if you're a person who is considering marriage, I highly recommend How We Love book and workbook. And of course, howwelove.com. <laughs> so let's talk about what is a love style. If you go to howwelove.com slash love dash styles, you'll be able to find out this information. I'm, I'm reading from that website. Each person's childhood experiences from the roots, form the roots of who they are, continuing to inform the way that person responds to others or expresses love, even far into adulthood. Yes, I can confirm that's true. I'm 35 years old. As you know, I turned 35 last month and it's absolutely true. In fact, I was hiking with someone yesterday and she talked to me about her family and she shared with me what a loving family she had and how she felt so loved and accepted. And as she was sharing about her childhood experiences, I could tell they were completely opposite of mine. And she is today, she's um, 14 years younger than me, and she is so firmly rooted in her identity in Christ. She understands exactly like how life is and how she is in life. And all of these gifts were given to her by her childhood experiences, by her parents, by the way they interacted with her and loved her. Of course, if you've been a listener of this podcast or if you've been a subscriber of my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash you know that <clears throat> I was not loved and love in my family equaled abuse and violence and Love equaled stalking and cussing and beatings. And that's pretty much what I learned about love and myself and me in the world and me in relationships. So I I was just saying this to confirm that that definition of a love style is absolutely true. So I'm continuing now to read from howwelove.com slash love-styles. The result of all of these experiences is actually very predictable because people tend to fall into one of five special categories called love styles. What is a love style? We've developed a free online quiz to help determine your unique love style. Just answer the questions honestly. And so they provide a link to the quiz. And the link to the quiz is howwelove.com slash love-style-quiz. This quiz will score you in each of the five love style categories with a high score in any category signaling a troubled area. While most people will have a single dominant love style, and for me, guys, as we continue this conversation, it is a vacillator. It is possible for you to have multiple problem areas. And another problem area for me is also um, a victim. Don't worry. At the end of the quiz, we'll explain your results and provide you with some next steps at, to begin your emotional recovery. So that, that's, um, I gave you the link for the, love style, for the love style quiz. And so now let's learn about each of the five love styles. 
So the first one they uh, provide here is the avoider. And here's what they say about the avoider. Coming from homes that are often low in affection, but which place high value on independence and self-reliance, the avoider grows up learning only to take care of themselves, to deal with anxiety of having so little comfort and nurturing from their parents, they have learned to restrict their feelings and suppress their needs. As an adult, avoiders can seem emotionally distant or disengaged. Earlier last year, I did series on my podcast about narcissistic abuse. And this year, I launched a video series, and the playlist on my YouTube channel is called Hashtag Narcissist. And what I've learned is that the narcissist is most likely to be either avoider or controller. The narcissist has no compassion, is unaware of his own feelings, and has a very hard time relating to anybody, and he's self-obsessed. So this can be the avoider or the controller. So I know a lot of people who listen to my podcast experience narcissistic abuse. So pay attention specifically to when I talk about the avoider or the controller. Okay, so let's learn more about the avoider. They share a few questions here. Are you an avoider? Ask yourself the following. Is this statements resonate with you? And so if they do, you might be an avoider. Let me just share a few statements with you here. I am usually fine, and when something bad happens, I try to get over it quickly. In my family growing up, we rarely discussed personal concerns. I'm usually happiest when others are happy and don't want a lot from me. I don't really think about my own feelings and need uh, and my own needs very often. I don't really miss my spouse or family if I'm away from them. I need my space. So these descriptions are very, very, very descriptive of the narcissist, but of course not all avoiders are the narcissist, because narcissists, what differentiate the narcissists are all of these statements and cruel intentions and abusive behaviors. So, but this is, this pretty much describes the narcissist if there are cruel intentions and abusive behaviors. Um, very interestingly, the author of the book, Kay Yerkovich, in some of their YouTube videos revealed that she actually grew up into an avoider and she is an incredible human being who contributed so much to the emotional well-being and mental health to so many people with her studies and her books and um, they have an awesome YouTube channel where they just give workshops and record on video and give it all to us for free. So very, very thought-provoking information. I highly recommend their YouTube channel and I highly recommend the book also. And so that's pretty much what we're going to learn about the avoider. Of course, you can learn so much from the book and there are so many stories and there are so many examples and there is a whole workbook section about it to kind of help not just to discover if you are an avoider but also what to do if you are okay so the next love style is the pleaser 
By the way, how all of this played out in my life, I shared in a podcast and there is a video on my YouTube channel called Tell Me How You Really Feel. So if you want an extensive version of it, you can go listen. It's three and a half hours. And there I shared how each of these love styles played in my personal love life. Okay, so next, the pleaser. Pleasers usually grow up in a home with a parent who is overly protective, angry, and or critical. Pleaser children do everything they can to be good and avoid troubling their highly reactive parents. So highly reactive, remember. They learn to spend their energy comforting their parent instead of receiving comfort themselves. As adults, pleasers tend to continually monitor the moods of those around them in an attempt to keep everyone happy. However, this can lead to resentment, an emotion that can break down a relationship or drive a pleaser to leave. Um, a lot of pleasers I know have skin problems. They have basically they have breakout skin and the reason why is because they're highly stressed and tense at all times because they want to please. Now, be careful if you are one of my listeners who experienced narcissistic abuse. Be careful not to confuse the narcissist for the pleaser. The narcissist is not the pleaser, but he pretends to be the pleaser. And the reason why the narcissist pretends to be the pleaser is because he only survives on praise, admiration, and compliments. So if the narcissist doesn't get praise, admiration, and compliments, he pretty much doesn't know who he is. He always needs medals, um, you know, pat on the back. He needs praise, admiration, and compliments for his ego to survive because he does not have real self. He doesn't have real identity. So the narcissist pretends to be the pleaser to manipulate people, pretending to be a pleaser, to win praise, admiration, and compliments. So it says here, as adults... Pleasers tend to continually monitor the moods of those around them. In the podcast, Tell Me How You Really Feel, I share some pretty interesting personal stories of my love life with a pleaser. I highly recommend you go find the video, Tell Me How You Really Feel, or a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, anywhere you're listening, I have my podcast, The Anna Zabo Show there. So go find it and make sure you check out the Tell Me How You Really Feel podcast because it's full of great information about these five love styles. It says, I work hard at making those I love happy, and I'm not great at saying no or keeping boundaries, but anything is better than having people upset with me. So that's the mindset of a pleaser that they're describing here on howwelove.com slash love-styles-pleaser. And they say, are you a pleaser? And they give this a uh, few statements. So ask yourself the following. If these statements resonate with you, you might be a pleaser. So here are the statements that they provide. For most or all of my childhood, I could have been described as the good kid. 
I feel very upset if someone is upset or annoyed with me. So I am good at keeping peace. Hold on one sec. Let me just tell you. The narcissist is not good at keeping peace. The narcissist is angry and he constantly rages. He's full of rage, hatred, shame and self-hatred too. So do not confuse again the narcissist for people pleaser because he pretends to be one and he manipulates you and others to believe that he is, but he's not. He's cruel and evil. Okay, so the next statement is, I seek connection and avoid rejection by anticipating and meeting others' needs. Conflict makes me uneasy and I prefer to deal with disagreement by giving in or making up for it and quickly moving on. I have difficulty confronting or saying no and sometimes it makes me less than truthful. So basically the pleaser can be a liar too because he will manipulate the truth to avoid conflict. So that's about the pleaser. And of course, any love style I'll be sharing about today from this website will have a lot of bad things about it, including my love style is the vacillator, which is next, which is incredibly difficult one. And so that's why I highly recommend the book, How We Love, with the workbook because it provides first of all awareness of your love style and secondly it tells you how you can help yourself so the vacillator my love style is the next growing up with an unpredictable parent vacillator's needs aren't top priority Without consistent parental affection, they develop feelings of abandonment, and by the time the parent feels like giving again, and that is affection, the child is tired of waiting and too angry to receive affection. As adults, vacillators are on a quest to find the consistent love they never received as children. They idealize new relationships, but then get tired of it one's life and relationships get less than perfect. In the podcast, Tell Me How You Really Feel, I describe extensively how I grew up, how my mother was with me, but my mother had an enmeshed relationship with me and pretty much her needs were my primary concern and my needs did not exist. Not only did she abuse me and humiliate me and constantly put me on my knees on top of buckwheat, Russian grain that looks like a triangle, but she treated me as if I were her husband. I was responsible fully and completely for her emotional needs since very early age. And it was a very difficult environment. In addition to that, it says the parent is unpredictable and the environment is unpredictable. And so I remember like, I would leave home, go to school, and she would be like, oh, I love you, have a wonderful day, you are so great. And I would come back from school, she would open the door, full of rage, hating on me, screaming, yelling, and you wouldn't even know what happened. So just out of the blue, like that. So here it says, of course, I was the only child, but her child, we lived 10 people in a small condo, in Russia, Soviet Union, and former Soviet Union, and there were three other, two other girls, uh, Vika and Yulia, 
my sisters, I call them, but they're my cousins. They're my mother's sister's daughters. But in Russia, we call them sisters. So I had two sisters, but I was the only child. And if I say it, you're in America listening to it, you must be confused, but they're my cousins. I long for relationships and connection, but people always let me down. Sometimes I wonder if it's even worth it anymore. So that's the mindset of the vacillator. And honestly, when I experienced the betrayal of my friends in my trial last year, I did kind of give up on relationships, especially I have not formed mostly new relationships at all. And I've been hardly maintaining my current relationships because I did feel like, wow, maybe I should just give up completely. So, of course, now I recognize it, and you know, if you've been specifically watching my YouTube channel, I'm now running a series called Depression, where I every day publish a video talking about my depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and how I got out of that pit. So, if you are not a YouTube subscriber, go to youtube.com slash MBA. And you will see the playlist called Hashtag Depression. Go and play all the 13 videos in that playlist because it's everything I can share with you about depression, suicidal thoughts and anxiety and how to get out of it. And now when I'm out, I have complete awareness of my mental situation and so I am back in a game with my relationships. I've been spending quality time with my friends and um, it's been great. So yeah, relationships are not to give up on, but sometimes really bad life circumstances can uh, make the vacillator like me feel like maybe I should just give up on relationships. The questions that they offer, they say, are you a vacillator? Ask yourself the following. And if these statements resonate with you, you might be a vacillator. I feel like no one has really understood what I need. This is very typical for a vacillator. If you go to YouTube and find my yesterday's video, my yesterday's video is called Depression and Suicide. And in that video, I shared my suicidal poem from last year. And in that poem, I said, no one ever loved me and no one loves me. Now, I said it. <laughs> Right after my trial, when my premarital counseling mentors, people 70 plus years old, spent every single day loving on me, taking me out to lunch, coming to court with me, just pouring their affection and wisdom all over me, so much love, and here I am right after that, I'm writing in my suicidal poem, no one ever loved me and no one loves me. So that's just the mindset of a vacillator, which of course, when I read that poem after I wrote it, this was my thought download. I did not control it in any way. It's just whatever was in my mind, I wrote on paper. And I was like, wow, lie, lie, lie. Everything in my mind related to suicide was a lie. It was not true at all. And that's why to anybody who is experiencing depression and suicidal thoughts, I highly recommend doing a thought download and examining our thoughts because every thought I had was a lie. 
Okay, so next on the list of statements to ask yourself, uh, if they're relevant to you, is I experience internal conflict and a high level of emotional stress in relationships. Absolutely true of me. By the way, if you want to see the statements, you can go to howwelove.com slash love dash styles slash vacillator. Vacillator is spelled as V-A-C-I-L-L-A-T-O-R, vacillator. Okay, so the next statement is, at times I find myself picking a fight and I'm not sure why. Next statement is, I've always been especially sensitive and perceptive and I can tell when others are pulling away from me. This is absolutely true of the vacillator because remember, vacillator grew up in an enmeshed relationship with their parent, primary caregiver like me, right? And so the reason why is because my mother would yell or scream or love on me or say, I hate you, uh, I want you to die all in one hour. So I never knew what's coming. And that's why like, I can tell when others are pulling away from me. We as vacillators learned this from our childhood experiences because we needed to know when trouble was coming. Many times I ran away from home. I tried to commit suicide twice when I was 11 and 12 because it was very hard to be my mother's daughter and live in my home. Um, and so we always have to be on guard and, yeah, very perceptive. And so the final statement they provide here is others have said they feel like they're walking on eggshells around me. And I would say from my personal relationships, it's absolutely true. Others do say that. And that's why we all need to read the book, How We Love. And the workbook that gives us specific actions to take to monitor ourselves and to become um, more healthy in our attachment. By the way, if you don't know what attachment is and what I even mean by saying attachment, there is such a thing as attachment theory and the bottom line of it is that we learn how to be in life our behaviors perceptions on life our beliefs about ourselves develop in our early childhood primarily before we turn two years old and they are based on our attachment style and how we related to our primary caregiver for me it was my mother but also, of course, there were 10 other people in the condo where I lived and where I grew up every day fighting, chasing me with a knife. My mother chased me with an axe, you know. So all of these experiences contribute to how we love based on what we learned in our early childhood and whether or not we were able to, in a healthy manner, bond with our primary caregiver. Okay, so that was the vacillator, and next is the controller. Controllers need control to ensure that the vulnerable negative feelings they experienced in childhood remain suppressed from their adult lives. Having control means having protection from feelings like fear, humiliation, and helplessness. However, Anger is the one emotion that is not vulnerable. And so anger and intimidation are often used as means to maintain control. 
While control can be either highly rigid or sporadic and unpredictable, controllers rarely realize the true reason they feel the need to be in charge. So this is so important for anybody who will now listen to the questions about the controller and see if they're relevant to you. I highly recommend my podcast, Tell Me How You Really Feel. The reason why it's three and a half hours long is because there I share my exact experience of going for the first time to therapy and why I was a sex addict and why I was unable to feel emotions and was unaware of my own feelings and could not experience grief or sadness. Literally, my brain wasn't capable of it. And I know if you're listening to my podcast now and you're watching my videos, you probably cannot believe it because mostly what I talk to you about are feelings and emotions. But the reason why I'm so passionate about talking to you about it is because I am just learning all of this. And it's changed my life completely completely it made my life so much better and that's why I want everybody to be able to feel their feelings to be aware of what feelings are what feelings there are for us as humans to experience and allow ourselves to experience them including depression by the way so tell me how you really feel podcast is essential for anyone who will say yes to those questions that I'm going to ask now to listen Okay, are you a controller? Here are the statements they provide. No one protected me from harm when I was growing up, so I had to get tough and take care of myself. Life has taught me to either be in control or be controlled. People would probably describe me as intimidating. I prefer to solve problems on my own. I need things to be done a certain way or I get angry. I have few feelings about my childhood, except I'm glad it's over because I wouldn't go back. So, this is pretty much it about the controller. I provide very detailed example about my marriage to a controller and why it went the way it went. And you can listen to it. Um, in a podcast called Tell Me How You Really Feel or watch the YouTube video called Tell Me How You Really Feel. To learn more about the controller, go to howwelove.com slash love-styles slash controller. Okay, so the final, the fifth love style. So far we talked about the avoider, the pleaser, the vacillator, the controller, and now we're going to talk about the victim. Kids survive a chaotic home environment by trying to stay under the radar, making themselves as invisible as possible. They will hide and um, appease learning how to escape into their own heads to lessen their pain from their angry, violent, chaotic parents. Okay, before I continue reading from the website, let me just tell you here, um, parents are also equal caregivers. So for me, all the violent, angry, um, chaotic uh, people were not just my parents. I only had one parent, which was my mother, who was exactly like that. But also there was my aunt 
and my other aunt, and there were my two sisters, I told you they're my cousins, and there was my grandfather and my very angry, violent, um, controlling, demanding, tyrant, ter tyrannic, basically, grandmother. So all those people influenced me significantly and contributed to my lifestyle now and my perception of life and myself and people. So when they say parents, that's caregivers. Um, so when they talk about the victims, I told you that the victim is my second uh, lifestyle. My primary lifestyle is vacillator and the victim is my also background, secondary lifestyle. So they said here, they will hide and appease learning how to escape into their own heads to lessen their pain. I cannot tell you when I started um, this journey of recovering from sexual addiction, studying about myself, how many repressed and suppressed memories I had even about my rape and all the abuse I endured, like my suicide attempts, all of that, all the violence I endured at home, those memories were hidden very, very deeply in my head. I had no awareness of them because I would constantly check out in my head. I would just like check out, basically. I would just like be there physically with my body, but not really present mentally or emotionally because it was so painful. Victims lack a sense of self-worth or personhood and are often anxious and depressed. Of course, you know, this is exactly what played out in my marriage with Michael. And that's why I went on a journey of studying the Bible, who God says I am and what God says about me and you. And I created a book called 52 devotionals, I wrote um, biblical affirmations. You can download that book for free on my website, anasaibo.com. Just scroll down to the bottom of the website and there will be the free ebook waiting for you. Instantly you can get access to it. And there I share with you the biblical affirmations I created based on my own depression, anxiety, lack of self-worth. If you've been listening to this podcast or watching YouTube videos of uh, mine that you know I, I had a huge conflict between Anna Stevens, I was before I married Michael, and Anna Zabo, I became when I married Michael. And Anna Stevens versus Anna Zabo conflict was indeed a conflict of self-worth and personhood. So very interesting that everything they say on this website, How We Love and this book is absolutely true. I cannot tell you how true it is. You must read it. Okay, so I continue reading from here. Rather than engage, they will resort to just going through the motions in order to get by. Victims may emulate their childhood home environment by pursuing a relationship with a controller. Um, a controller can be a narcissist. A narcissist can be a controller or he can be an avoider. And so I realized very quickly in my marriage that I married my mother. 
And I cannot tell you how many friends of mine were telling me in the beginning of my marriage, you are married to your mother, you married your mother, you need to get out. My friends were offering me money to move out of our marital residence uh, in coming, you know, in... Uh, in coming from coming i drove to decatur where i worked uh five hours a day <laughs> it was crazy and so my friends were offering me money to move out of that abusive narcissistic marriage because they would tell me you married your mother this is just like your mother and you gotta get out but i stayed because i wanted to honor god with my marriage and i'm glad i did because now i can say i've learned unconditional love and I've learned so much. So when children are involved in such a relationship, the victim may even inflict their suppressed anger on their children whenever the controller is not present. So that's very interesting. And I'm reading to you now uh, more about victim from howwelove.com slash love-styles slash victim I keep my needs quiet and honestly I'm not even sure what my needs are it's safer when I just go with the flow there is less opportunity for blow up so that's the typical mindset of a victim now for me the victim is not a primary love style um, so for me, you know, I did not keep my needs quiet, as you know, I did not, I let Michael know my needs for sure, uh, but victim can be secondary love style, so are you a victim? Here are the questions, the statements related to the victim love style. Growing up, I experienced a great deal of intense anger and stress from a parent or parents. I'm used to chaos and calm makes me anxious because something bad is always just around the corner. If I spoke up more and had stronger opinions, my spouse or other significant relationships would be even angrier. I feel like I'm just going through the motions and I'm tired and out of energy. Yeah, so that is pretty much how I felt in my entire marriage. <laughs> with Michael for sure and what it resulted in is depression severe anxiety and suicidal thoughts which is everything I share in my current YouTube series I publish every day a video every morning at 7 a.m um, in the playlist on my channel called depression go watch it go watch it go subscribe now uh, let's talk more about how we love Okay, so now I would love to talk to you about um, how we love and you're probably wondering like, okay, why are you calling this podcast how we love when all we were talking so far about is how we were loved or not loved as children? And so here is, I'm reading from the book, How We Love, and it is page six, and it's a chapter called The Revolutionary Truth. Here is how what we just talked about, which is your childhood experiences, my childhood experiences, here is how they determine how we give love. Okay, The revol Revolutionary Truth. 
What are these imprints, these earlier dance lessons that, healthy or not, form our beliefs and expectations about love? All of us have an imprint of intimacy, the sum of our learning how to love. And we learn how, and this is me commenting now, I'm not reading. We learn how to love from how we were loved at home growing up. And now I'm continuing to read the book. Our imprint determines our love style, how we interact with others when it comes to love. Okay, so I'm not reading anymore. We talked about your imprints from your childhood experiences of love and how they now impact how you give love to others, how you interact in relationships. So I'm continuing to read the book now. For a few of us, our early love lessons were ideal and our love style is healthy and positive. And that is the person that I was hiking with yesterday, for sure. Like when she was sharing with me her life at home and I see her now, I can honestly tell you her love style, her perception of self, of people, of life is healthy. That was given to her as a gift by her parents and her growing up experiences and environment. And those of us who didn't have anything like this, we are broken. We are, we need a lot of help, but first of all, before we can get help and help ourselves, we need awareness. So I'm continuing to read now. Most of us, though, had some hurtful experiences resulting in a harmful imprint and impaired love style. Have you ever considered the unseen forces governing how you love? Like Milan and me, that is the author of the book, Kay, talking, right? Like Milan and me, you will most likely identify with one of five common ineffective love styles resulting from less than ideal imprints. As we come to understand the harmful aspects of our imprints and the resulting love styles, Milan and I were finally able to understand that the frustrating core pattern that had plagued our marriage for years was a result of our individual imprints colliding. No wonder it felt like we were dancing with the four left feet. Attachment theory explained the root of Milan's pursuing and my distancing, the sparks behind countless arguments in our marriage. Attachment theory revealed why his niceness was annoying and why connection was so difficult for me, and it explained the root of both Milan's anxiety and my depression. So you can clearly see, I'm done reading the book now, you can clearly see that this book and this study and this workbook, they're all based on the author's own troublesome marriage, problems, issues, their own childhood trauma, how they processed everything. And that's why I love it so much. It's not something they learned at school. It's content they developed, just like I developed a lot of content about narcissistic abuse from my blood and sweat in my own marriage with the narcissist. And they developed this content by learning how they nail love from being unloved in their childhood and how to fix it. So I highly recommend it. 
And as our podcast is coming to the end, I would love to pray for you. So let me say a prayer. Father God, you are always good. You equip us. You prepare us to go through whatever experiences we face in life. And through persevering, you make us stronger. You make us stand firm on your promises, in your truth, as long as we seek to understand you, to honor you, and to be the best we can in Christ. So I pray for the woman listening right now that she takes the information she heard today, a lot of information. This information helped me so much. I pray that you help her take the nuggets that are applicable to her life and to her love and to her love style and how she interacts in her relationships and make something useful and beautiful out of it. If there is dust, if there is pain, if there is hurt, if there is, if there is dust, God, make a beauty out of it. That's what I want for the woman listening right now. If she's been listening till this end, till the point of this prayer she wants to grow she wants to be her best for you she wants to be rooted firmly in her identity in Christ and I pray that you give her the ability to take the nuggets of information she needs to use in her life and grow using and applying and leveraging what she heard today on this podcast I pray this in the marvelous name of Jesus amen